0: We've been talking in the ground floor about being in Christ, that God made so much available to us and invited us to be part of his family and to have all the benefits of it. We learned that in amongst the benefits is the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit, there was a few things we learned last week. We learned that the Holy Spirit is a promise made available to each and every believer. We learned the the Holy Spirit... um, is the power that Jesus walked in. That Jesus did every amazing thing he did, not by the I'm Jesus card, but by the I'm anointed with the Holy Spirit. He came, he emptied himself of all of his divine power, Philippians chapter two, verse seven, and came as a man. And as a man, he was baptized with the Holy Spirit and went anointed with power in the Holy Spirit and did amazing things. And that same power is now available to us. I mean, we learned that the Holy Spirit brings lots of gifts. And we ended with one verse as we begin to discuss the fact that being filled with the Holy Spirit is an addition to salvation. It is not, a lot of people will go through going, well, isn't it just the same? Like, when I get saved, don't I get the Holy Spirit? And Jesus made this comment to his disciples in John fourteen seventeen. <clears throat> Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows Him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And he separates the two, going, it is with and will be in. <clears throat> that with being saved, the Holy Spirit is with you, but the Holy Spirit wants to be in you. In uh, Acts chapter eight, we're going to just roll through this because we have lots to cover today. Uh, Philip goes to Samaria. And he begins to preach the gospel um, and proclaim to them the Christ in Acts 8.5. Sometimes I combine words and it doesn't work right. Um, If you've never had that problem, good for you. And if you have, I understand. So um, he he goes there. He begins to proclaim the gospel. And not only does he proclaim the gospel, he begins to pray for the sick. And the sick begin to be healed, cast out demons, and they leave. And starts doing these things, and everyone is just in awe. And they're like, what is going on? In fact, they thought he was magic. It mentions it in verse 11. Um, and as they go through, he gives them an opportunity to make Jesus their Lord. It says in verse 12, But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the, the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So they heard the gospel, they believed the gospel, they called on God, and they were baptized. In Mark 16, Jesus was speaking before he went up, and he says this to them Go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, which is what Philip just did. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. That's what they just did. But whoever does not will be condemned. So, according to Jesus, the people in Acts chapter 8, verse 12, are saved because they just heard the gospel, believed the gospel called on the Lord, and were baptized. They just walked through what Jesus said that they needed to walk through in Mark chapter 16. If we keep going into verse 15, some of the other disciples show up there in Samaria, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And so as I was reading this, I'm like, okay, this this states that they were saved, that they had repented, that they had believed in Jesus, that they'd called on Jesus, and yet there is a separate occurrence where they encountered and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then were filled with the Holy Spirit and all that he brings. And it's not just there. We find almost the same kind we find the same kind of thing in Acts chapter 19, verse 2. Paul's preaching, and he says, did you receive, he shows up at, the, at a city in Ephesus and says, hey, did you guys receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. There's a lot of people who are like that, they're like, what do you mean? I know that I sinned, I deserve death, Jesus died, rose again, paid the price for my sin, and offered a relationship and forgiveness for me. He goes, great. So he turns to them, and they, their, their response going, no, we didn't know there was a the Holy Spirit. Into what were you baptized? Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John's baptized with the baptism of repentance, which is where most of us start, with repenting. Telling the people to believe on the one who is to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. I get to tra- talk to a lot of Christians one of the things that amazes me is how often people are um, not misled, but disillusioned where they're, you know what? I thought it was going to be different. And you talk to somebody and they're like, you know, well, well I thought that Christianity like, was going to fix things because my life's still a mess. I thought it was going to be this magic wand. I thought it was going to change my life. I thought, and then go through these things. uh, Pastor Wayne was speaking uh, two or three years ago now. He opened up a year and said, you know, that this is common, but mostly because people don't do the basics of Christianity. They, They climb up to the first rung of a ladder, and they want the fruit from the top of the ladder, and don't understand why they can't reach it. It's kind of like a buffet. Anyone ever eat at a good buffet? Okay, anyone ever eat at a bad buffet? Come on, somebody. All right, who's ever seen a buffet? Familiar with a a buffet? Who knows what a buffet is? Okay, all right. I'm just assuming that the rest of you are too lazy to raise your hand or it's broken. Um, We love you anyways. So picture a buffet. We're going to picture a good buffet. At least 10 tables worth of food. Um, So they've got, you know, all the they have like a salad section and they've got all that not just like here there's your green stuff, but they've got the hard-boiled eggs and all the different vegetables and the cheese and the different dressings. Then you get over here and they've got the breads and the pastas and the over here they have the meats and they have the tables that are set aside where they make the omelets and where they cut your prime rib, and they have a couple tables for just desserts and all that kind of fun stuff. And so you get somebody who goes and they go and they sit down, but they go up to the first table, they get a plate. They make it, you know, in through that table. They get a salad and they sit down and they go, "I, I thought there would be more. I'm so disappointed." And You look at them and you go, "You stopped with a salad." Well, yeah, I just thought it was going to be a better buffet. I mean, for as much as they charge, I thought it was going to be really good. It is really good. Like go back up and they're like, get to the pastas. They got some really good pastas. Lasagna's pretty good. And beyond that, did you see the steaks? There is a you get to pick a steak. Go pick a steak. And like they've got, they've got loads of these different meats. Go try the fish, try the steak, try the chicken, and they got it lots of different ways. Go eat them. And don't forget the dessert tables. Make sure to get one of the custom-made omelets. They do a really good job. And the prime ribbed over there is really good. And you gotta try, and they like, well, but, but I went up there and I just came back disappointed. Well, yeah, that's because you didn't go all the way through the line. Well, I, I made it through this, and I got stuff off there, and it's not that great. It's lettuce! Of course it's not that great. All it is is lettuce. It's your fault you didn't put anything on your lettuce. You didn't even get a good salad. You didn't get the hard-boiled eggs, and you didn't get the cheese. What's a salad without cheese? It's lame. And so you go through this, and they're sitting here going, yeah, but I thought there was going to be more. And you look at them, and you're like, well, there is more. It's your own fault. You didn't get more. And it's funny, kind of, when you talk about it as a buffet and a hypothetical. But when you look at a Christian who goes, I thought Christianity would be more, and you go, well, is God Lord of your life? Oh, yeah. Do you do what God says or what you want? What I want. Well, where... Did you expect it to affect you? Well, I expected it to affect my life. Do you obey God in every area of your life? Mm, no. And like, people don't want to admit that unless you ask them a question. They're like, well, no, like I'm serving God. I live for God. I'm a Christian. You're like, great. Do you tithe? No. Why not? Well, I need my money, man. I got, I got, I got, I got plans. I, got, I need to buy a car. I need gas money. I don't have enough money, whatever. And you look at them and you go, well, So what you're telling me is if what you want and what God says collide, what you want wins. And tithe is an easy example because if you're not obeying God, you're probably going to struggle giving him your money. But I could also go through and say, are you lying, cheating? Are you having sex outside of marriage? Are you, Um, and I could go through this whole list of different things going, when there are things that you know what God says, are you living what God says or what you want. And so often we're complaining because we want there to be more, but we're not doing what God started. And one of the many things where a lot of Christians miss out, and they're like, well, I need strength, I need encouragement, I need empowered. I thought that God was going to do these things for me. And the Bible lets us know that the Holy Spirit will be the helper, and that the Holy Spirit will encourage, strengthen. We're going to go through a bunch of those. And he, he makes this list, and we're going, well, I thought there was going to be. And God goes, there is. You just need to move past the first table. If you spend your life at the first table, if you say a prayer and then go on living your own way and maybe come to church some so you can feel like you punched a card, your Christian life is going to suck, and you're going to wonder why it's disappointing. And it's because you're not applying what God said, so you're not reaping the benefit that he's trying to get you. In amongst the fun, in amongst the things that God wants to get you is the Holy Spirit. It is meant to be a game changer, but even there, it still takes applying and doing what God says. In John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus begins to list some of the things that the Holy Spirit will do for us. Has anyone ever had it hard to do the right thing? Anyone ever had it hard to do the right thing? Okay, the rest of you guys, someday you'll make a choice. Don't worry. Um, Mom won't always choose everything for you. John 14, 6. "Um, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Because we need help, he said he would send the Holy Spirit and that he would help. Help us. In fact, in Acts 4, we briefly mentioned this last week. There was a group that were kind of uh, scared, terrified. Persecution arose, and they were starting to kill Christians. And as Christians, they're like, God, give us strength, give us boldness to um, declare your name boldly in spite of the persecution. Jesus' response to send the Holy Spirit says, The place was shaken, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is Acts chapter 4, verse 28 to 31. They are filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God with boldness. And so they, this was God's response. He goes, all right, you need equipped. You need strengthened. I will send you the Holy Spirit. In 14, John 14, verse 25 um, through 26, these things I have spoken to you while well, i was still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you and he will bring things to your remembrance. Has anyone ever need taught? Anyone? Okay. A couple people are like, I know everything. I never needed to know it. Never needed to talk. I know everything. Just wait. As you get older, you learn how much you don't know. Um, It is just one of those things. The older you get, the more you realize there's more things you don't know. The more you learn, the more you realize how much you don't know. The more you travel, the more you realize there are more places that you haven't been. You talk to someone who's never traveled, and they're like, yeah, someday I want to go to Australia. Like, cool. Talk to someone who's traveled. They've been to Australia. They're like, well, I want to go back, and there was this island that I wanted to go to. I wanted to visit this beach there. I wanted to go to Tasmania. I wanted to go here. And this is just on Australia. When you go to Europe, I want to go to this place, this place. The more that you travel, the more places you realize there are, and the more that you want to. The more you learn, the more you know, the more you realize that you don't know and that you want to know. But when he says that the Holy Spirit will teach you, this doesn't mean that you're going to be like there and be like, whoa. (laughs) I just know. The Holy Spirit has just downloaded loads of information upon my brain. I'm now brilliant. Holy Spirit, whoa, never, ble- I just got math. Oh, wow, gonna be helpful. Like, that's not really how it works. Um, but he says that he will teach you that as you, um, as you study God's word, that he will open up your eyes, that he will open up your understanding, that he will increase help you increase your knowledge and help you increase what you can retain. And he says that he'll bring things back to your remembrance. I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of things that I have learned and I have forgotten. Um, that's very evident every time you take a test. And you get to the test and you're like, crud, we went over this in class, but I don't remember. You're like, who was that guy? Again, um, I've had this a lot. As, as people come into church, if they come in like on a Monday and go, hey, I need to talk to a pastor. I'm one of the pastors that they'll get. And sometimes they come up to you with like super simple things and it's awesome. They're like, hey, I need prayer. You know, we got a big test and I just need wisdom and favor. Like, Sweet, pray for you. And sometimes they come in and they're like, I'm not sure where to start. You're like, oh boy, buckle up. It's gonna be a long ride. It's like, or I'm gonna have to give you some context. And sometimes that's like, you know, But most of the time, that means this is going to be complicated and long. And so you're like, okay. And they, they start to share. And a lot of those, it's a crazy situation. I mean, if it was simple, they wouldn't have come. It's not very often people come in and be like, hey, I'm coming in just because I want to tell you that everything is amazing. Like, my life is so awesome. I just wanted to say thank you for loving Jesus. See you later. Like, that doesn't really ever happen. They always come in when they have a problem. And so a lot of times you hear these problems and you're like, wow. I have no idea what I should be telling them. And a verse will come up. You're like, oh, hey, that actually deals with their situation. And then another verse will pop up. You're like, I haven't read that verse in, not forever, but a long time. Where did it come from? And the Holy Spirit said he'll bring things back to your remembrance. I've dealt with people in marriage counseling and premarriage counseling and had sermons pop up that I listened to when I was in high school. And you're like, how on earth did that show up in my memory? Like, well, you put it in and the Holy Spirit brought it to your remembrance 15 years later. You're like, okay, so that's where that message came from. That's where this comes from. And a lot of times, not only does he teach you, not only does he bring things to your remembrance, he will guide you. John chapter 16 um, you can read through it from like seven through fifteen. I just have it in my notes, and it talks about him being the Helper, the Convictor, the Spirit of Truth. And it says that in verse thirteen, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you. A lot of times we need God's guidance. Uh-huh. A lot of times, even in some of those situations. I, I had one the other day. I sat down with a couple, and they just laid out their situation. You're like, "That's crazy, God. What do I say?" Things started to, to pop. And I didn't know. I started to go through things going, all right, here's some basics. I don't know everything, but, you know, here, we're going to start with the foundation. We're going to start with God. We're going to start with this. And I just, they just, they're like, you're reading our mail. You know everything. I'm like, I don't know everything. Like, you do. And then I'm like, all right, well, and here's like a hypothetical. You got to do this because of this. And I started like making a really random story. And they just looked at me and were like, huh. Like, I, I take it this sounds familiar. They're like, how did you know? I didn't, but the Holy Spirit was guiding me, and so it, he was able to use me, but when a lot of people get confused, when they talk about the Holy Spirit guiding people, um, and they they make it something spooky, where it's like, hold on, hold on, let me, oh, oh, I'm getting something, I'm getting something, oh. You're supposed to marry me, like what? No, like and if some guy, or girl, just walks up to you and is like, "I God told me you're supposed to be my wife," just look at him and go, "Well, he didn't tell me," and you can walk away. Um, but it, but it, it's it's so common that people will credit their desires and blame they'll credit it to God and go, "All right, well, God told me," and just blame God and then do something stupider, especially if they want to try to manipulate somebody. You know, like that's not the way it's supposed to work. In fact, in First John chapter four, verse one. I believe it is. The Bible tells us that every prophecy or every word from God needs to be judged where you're supposed to examine it and make sure that it lines up with the word and that somebody is not just making stuff up. When I was in college, I think it was eight guys all said that God told them they were supposed to marry the pastor's daughter. You're like, okay, either seven of you are wrong or eight of you are wrong. I think it was eight and but they just they just thought it would be cool and thought she was good-looking and it just came out of their own desires and they're like well I feel it so it must be God no you're just horny like it's not God that's testosterone um it's a difference and, and I, I think there was three guys who told my wife and that God told them that she, they were supposed to marry her. Um, my sister-in-law said she was at Myers when like, some guy just like randomly walked up and was like, hey, are you a Christian? She's like, yeah, well, great. This is, may not sound quite so weird. I feel like God's telling me I'm supposed to marry you. She just looked at him and said, I think my husband would have a problem with that. And, and like so often people try to blame God in order to get their way. That's not what this is supposed to look like. But God will speak to us and lead us and guide us I remember um, a few years back there was a, it wasn't like a normal service there was an event that happened in the main auditorium here and it was a large event, there was a lot of people there and at the end started to to walk out and I felt like God's like, you need to go talk to that guy okay is there like something else to talk to him about and all I just felt was like, I gotta go talk to him that's awkward Hi, I have to talk to you. Why? I have no idea. Bear your soul. Like, what do you do? So I'm like, I don't know. So I'm gonna like, just going to walk up to him, and I'm not going to see him and go, thus saith the Lord, I have to speak with you. You have deep, dark secrets. I don't know what they are. Tell me. Like I don't know. Like, whatever. So you just walk up, I'm like, hey, how you doing? All right. Well, that was helpful. <laughs> I sat down. Name him Bob. I'm like, Bob what's going on? And it didn't take very long, and all of a sudden, Bob's like, you know, this is going on, and I'm really upset, and I'm up bothered by this, this, and this, and this, this is what I thought was going to happen, and this is what happened, and, and all of a sudden, it, was, it became very plain that he was struggling with some things that had happened, and bitterness was about to take over his life. And it was about to derail the path that God had for him. And I got to share with him, I got to talk with him, I got to do some praying with him, and it wasn't a spooky thing. And this is the way it's meant to be. Where God leads us. When, when it happened in the Bible, most of the time they wouldn't just walk up and say, Thus saith the Lord. Most of the time when someone does that, you're putting yourself on a platform so that no one will challenge you. And frequently you're wrong. Um, I watched somebody that you've never met. Maybe you've met them, but don't try to forget who it is. Somebody, come up to me once, and they're like, I'm supposed to intern. You're supposed to intern? Yeah, God told me I need to intern. Cool. Start interning within two months. God told me I'm not supposed to intern. No, God didn't tell you either. You, God's not schizophrenic. God doesn't just change his mind constantly. Just admit, just own. You thought it sounded cool turns out it's a lot more work than you thought. Like, go. But it's so easy sometimes as Christians, especially in church stuff, to go, well, God said in, in Acts, Paul is looking to go preach. Goes somewhere and he's like, I'm not supposed to go there. I feel like God's telling me not to go there. God's telling me not to go there. I'm has a dream. In the dream, there's a guy from Macedonia going, hey, come tell us, like, preach to us the gospel. He wakes up and rather than saying, go to Macedonia because God saith so. I had a dream that he goes through and he goes, Paul had a vision and immediately we sought to go into Macedonia concluding that God called us to preach the gospel. Going, we believe that this is what this means. Not thus saith the Lord going, I think this is what God's leading. I believe, I feel like this is where I'm supposed to go. And knowing that when God leads us, we don't use it as this arrogant way to put ourselves on a pedestal that no one can question and that it's not a way to manipulate a girl to date you. It is um, God wants to lead you and guide you. I've got a lot of stories. I have friend, a friend who just felt like he wasn't supposed to take his meds. Felt like God saying not to take his meds. He's like, hmm, I can't, I can't take them. And after a little bit of it, he, he talked to his daughter, who's a nurse. He's like, you know what? Hey, I just feel like i must supposed to take these meds. And so she looked some stuff up. So the doctor just changed some meds. He's like, do not take those. They'll kill you. Um, and I'm trying to remember if it was because of another med that he was on that the combination of them would kill him, or if it was like, hey, you have a, a no tolerance for a certain drug and that contains some of that, and it will indeed kill you. Um, and he just said, you know, it wasn't a voice from the sky going, thus saith the Lord, those meds will take your life, don't do it. It was just, I, I just, not supposed to take something inside. And he, he, he made it clear going, I felt like he was, like God was speaking to me, but I, mean, I just felt like I was not supposed to take those, um. And learning to, to do this in a way that you're not putting yourself on a pedestal, but that you're listening to God and letting him guide you. Um, I have way too many notes. So we're going to go through these really fast. He wants to empower you. Um, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you. You will be my witness. And it said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When I was in college, one of my small group boys got saved. He got um, he was a bit nervous at school. I said, hey, we're going to pray for you. You're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's going to come on you with power. He's like, what's this? So I talked to him about it. And normally if you get anointed with oil at like, church, they have like this teeny little jar. They put their finger on the top they go like this and like, put one drop on your head. I went to um, the grocery store and bought a jug of oil, flipped open the top, boom, 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 In fact, his parents freaked out because they thought I dyed his hair because his hair came in so shiny when he came home. Um, just dumped it over him, prayed, prayed over him, to be received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That year, everything changed. He stepped up in his school. There was two kids from his school that were going to the youth group. Before the year was over, there was a 40-seater bus going from his school to the youth group every week. Before his second, because that was his junior year, his senior year, there was two 40-seater buses going from his school to the youth group because he stepped up so boldly, was filled with confidence, and began to invite people to come to church, to encounter the God that he'd encountered, and so many people's lives were changed. Um, but he'll give you power, give you boldness, to receive all that Jesus has for you. In John 16, verse 14, he says, he will glorify me, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 15, um, therefore I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Um, he will s- In the list of the gifts of the Spirit, you find... Um, the word of wisdom, this is sorry in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through 11. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the discerning of spirits, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, the gift of healing, the prophecy, a diverse kind of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Um, I want to take a couple of moments to talk about tongues. I'm going to try to do this really fast because I used up too much time earlier. But this is important because a lot of people are freaked out by tongues. They're like, why? And if you don't know what tongues are, the Bible says that he'll that when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they began speaking in tongues, or gave an, them an utterance <clears throat> in tongues. Acts 2.4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Speaking a language that they don't know. Kind of weird. Um, one of the, the misconceptions about it, they go, well, is... Some of these people go, well, I want it. I've been prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm ready. It's not working. I opened my mouth. I stuck out my tongue. I wiggle it around and nothing came out. And they're waiting for God to like confiscate their mouth and be like, all right, I'm going crazy. And to be like, oh, look, I'm talking. And like be surprised that something's coming out of their mouth. But the Bible says that, that who spoke? Who does it say who who begin to speak? They were filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak. As the Spirit gave them utterance. It said that as they went to speak, the words begin to come from the Holy Spirit, but the they are the ones that spoke. And so often people are waiting, going, I don't understand why nothing is happening. Well, nothing is happening because you're doing nothing. Because you're waiting for your tongue to get confiscated, and that's not how it works. You're going to give it voice. You're going to begin to speak, and then the Spirit is going to begin to give you the words, which sounds weird when you don't know what they are. When you begin to speak out, and you're like, what, what? Hmm." It says that your spirit is edified, and your mind doesn't get what's going on. Well, why would I want to pray in a tongue why would I speak in a tongue that I don't understand? What good could possibly become of that other than that I look like an idiot? Um, so I want to answer that question as well. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4, The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. In Jude verse, chapter 1, verse 20, there's only one chapter. But you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, pray in the Holy Spirit. It says that when we begin to speak in tongues, that it builds up our spirit Man, it builds us up on the inside. My wife, a while back, she was, she'd have appointments on Wednesdays with high school girls and needed to talk. And there were lots of them that had serious issues going on. And she was excited to pour out God's love and to, to minister to them. And the first one would come and she'd be excited and that one would leave and the next one would come and that one would leave and the next one would come. And it was a couple of hours of this. And by the time that she would get done, she would get out and she'd be like, I don't want to talk to anybody. just want to lay down. And she was just like dread, dread, dead, drained, tired. If you combine dead and drained, it's dread. Um, she was just worn out. And this was going on for a few weeks, and she's like, you know, I got to get ready for this. And so she spent a day praying in tongues while she was working and doing things bef- before all the girls showed up. The girls came, and they still had lots of the issues that they were coming to talk about and work through. And she got to the end, and she's like, all right, who's next? They're done. And I'm still alive. still have life. I'm still full of energy. She's like, wow. She's like, I didn't realize how much of a difference it made until I saw the thing that used to suck all the life out of me wasn't able to suck the life out anymore because there was such a charge, there was so much built up on the inside. Um, so there's the, the building upside, and then there's, there's, there's a huge side that we don't understand because we don't understand prayer. I, and I'm going to go through this briefly because I've done this before and we talked about prayer. But a lot of times we think of prayer as our time to inform God of what our problems are, Or our time to try to convince God to to help us. First off, the Bible says he knows what you need before you ask. When you pray, it's not when God finds out that you have a problem. He doesn't find out that you have a test because you started praying about it on Friday morning. He does not find out that your family's falling apart because you finally decided to pray. It's not a matter of convincing God to want to do something. It's not like, well, if I pray hard enough, then God's going to want me to get better. It's not, in fact, the easiest way to to see this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, I believe, um, is the Lord's prayer. He starts it out, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Can you guys finish it? Your kingdom come. Marvelous. Your will be done. All right, if it's his will it means he wants it to be done. Right? That's kind of the definition of your will. It's what you want. So why do I have to pray that his will is done? Because he already wants it. So my praying that his will be done is not to try to make him want to do it because he already wants to do it. That's why it's called his will. So my prayer serves a different purpose. If it's the thing that he already wants to do, it's probably not informing him of the things that he wants to do. So, What then is the purpose of my praying that his will be done? The purpose, when God set up the world, he set up a structure. He set up the rules and said, this is how it's going to work. Inside that structure, he gave man authority. And there are things and a free will that he gave us that he is not going to intervene and take. When he steps in, he's going to judge the world. But when he steps in to judge the world, no. The game is over. The timer has beeped. No more shots count. Nobody else can then come and repent and receive the forgiveness in Jesus. Because that's a whole other sermon as I can get into um, being in a flesh and blood body when you repent. But you have while living before Jesus returns. He's not going to take your rule from you. But when we pray, we're asking God to work on our behalf and giving him permission to. Just like you can't, your teacher can't do all of your work for you. If your teacher just grabs your paper and does all of your work, it'd be great in that you didn't have to do it, but it'd be called cheating. But if you have a question, you can go up to the teacher and go, hey, I don't get it. And they can walk walk you through going, all right, here is what we're doing, and here is why it's the case, and walk you through it. And you go, great, thanks, thanks for help, and now I get it. When we pray, we're giving God permission like that to work on our behalf. There are times when we need to pray, but there are things that we don't understand. The Bible says that when we pray in tongues, that we open up and going, God, I'm not sure what I even should be praying for but it allows God to pray through you, giving God permission to work on your behalf or on the behalf of those around you. And I've got countless stories of people praying and finding out afterwards that they were praying for a missionary, asking the missionary, and finding out that that very moment that um, they were facing some kind of life or death issue, that one guy was surrounded by some Muslims that came to kill him. And as they begin to pray, the lead Muslim was healed because he was deaf in one ear and was, it totally changed things. Watched my brother as he felt like he was supposed to pray and didn't know what he was supposed to pray for. So he prayed in tongues and he stopped and he's like, I still feel like I'm supposed to pray. I don't know what to pray for. So he prayed in tongues some more. Happened all morning long until he finally felt like things were taken care of. He's like, sweet. Don't know what that was about, but I feel better. Then he got a phone call from his wife from the emergency room saying, hey, we're here at the emergency room. Um, Avery drank rust remover. Thought, saw it on the counter and thought it was chocolate milk. Didn't taste like chocolate milk. Um, the poison control, the ER, they are freaking out. They're like, this stuff is so strong. You put it on a grown man's skin, he'll cry. It'll burn down to the bone. She can lose her tongue and da 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 da. And if this happens, she could die and da da da. And just going on about how serious this is. And they, they ran some different tests and different things. And, and Sam came going, all right, it's going to be okay. I already know it's going to be okay. You're like, how do you know it's going to be okay? I have been praying about this all morning. You're like, how can you be praying for something that hadn't happened yet? Because God put on my spirit that I was supposed to pray. I didn't know what to pray for. It's not like you're going to think about, you're like, you need to pray today. You're not going to go, oh, I better pray because I bet they're going to drink rust remover. Like, what? No, it's not a normal, logical thought. But he's like, I don't know what to pray, so I'm going to pray in tongues. And watched as God directed him, guided him, and gave him peace. And he was able to go into the hospital, listen, and go, all right, God, doctors, we're going to be okay. We're going to go home. And they're like, you're going to kill her if you take her home. She's going to be fine. Poison control called the next day going, did, she, you know, did this happen to her tongue? Did this happen? This happen? No, nope, she's fine. She's eating, drinking fine. She's running around. She's playing. She's happy as can be. Like, that's not supposed to happen. Yes, it is supposed to happen. We prayed. And it was cool what does God want to use in you? And the the first we started with the fact that there's, there's lots more reasons why we pray in tongues, but I don't have enough time to go into them all right now. We started with the Holy Spirit. First, you must be a believer. If you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to give you a chance to make Jesus your Lord. Then we're going to have a time if someone wants to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If they've got questions about praying in tongues, or if they just need some prayer for anything else, we're going to create a time for that. Can everyone bow their heads, close their eyes, band? Go ahead and come on up. If you say, That's me, I want to make Jesus my Lord. I want to be a believer. I want what God has for me. This is your chance to start that today. To make God the Lord of your life, to receive the forgiveness that He offers. Uh-huh as well as we're gonna give you a chance to receive the best of the Holy Spirit. If that's you, when I say three, I want you to raise your hand. One, get ready. Two, three, raise up your hands nice and high. that's me, I wanna make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want him to come in to wash away my sins. Awesome. God, I thank you that each and every person here has started a relationship with you. God, that you'd begin to do a work in us, that you would pour out your spirit in this place that your spirit wants to bring so many gifts, that it wants to equip, that it wants to empower, that it wants to strengthen, that it wants to help, that it wants to guide. God, I thank you for the gifts that you've sent. And I ask that you would have your way in this place and in us. In Jesus' name, amen.